Hey, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. We're going to continue our series, One Small Step, with this message today. And uh, I'm entitling it, First or Last Resort. First or Last Resort. You know, in the Bible, there's an account of two men who came against the same obstacle, the same challenge. And these two men, we see a contrast of how they live and how they handled this opposition. For one man, faith was his first resort. And the other, faith was his last resort. In 1 Samuel 17, we find that the Philistines and Israel are going to battle. Now, Saul is king of Israel at this time. He's the first king of Israel. He actually gets picked to be king because he's head and shoulders taller than everyone else. So, uh, you know, today, if you're head and shoulders taller than anybody else, you maybe get picked to be center in basketball or you're a middle in volleyball and you just put your hands up and block. But no, back in that time, hey, you're the tallest. You get to be king of Israel. So Saul, he's king of Israel, the first king, and they're going to face this opposition. But the Philistines, they send a champion to fight on behalf. And this was common practice back in the day, back in ancient times, because they didn't want like the armies to annihilate each other. And then it'd be so easy for another army to just wipe out both or that they go back. They want their economy working because oftentimes there's like farmers, sheep, uh, shepherds going to war. So instead they would choose champions. And that's what the Philistines did. They sent a champion and this champion, his name was Goliath. And what they would do is they would send a champion and whoever won that battle, then everybody would be like, okay, that's how it's going to be. And the losers would lose and the winners would take over. So the Philistines, they sent their champion, Goliath. Goliath was a big dude. He was nine feet, nine inches. Some Philistines might have even called him the great one, 99, right? Um, and he had armor on him from his youth. He was uh, uh, armor. He was from his youth. He was a man of war. He had experience. It, it, the Bible goes in a great description of his armor, how big it was. And just, he was an impressive soldier. So this giant Goliath, he goes out and he shouts and he shouts a challenge. Uh, he says, servants of Saul, uh, he's shouting to the king and, and all of Israel, who is going to come? Send me a challenger. Who's going to come and face me? And, and the Israelites, they hear and they see this giant, this nine foot, nine tall, nine inch tall dude. And they're not that. And they see him decked out in his armor. They hear him shouting. And the Bible actually says that they were terrified, that they were fearful. And, um, and they actually withdrew. They, they were like, oh, this is, uh-uh. And now what would make sense is Saul maybe to fight their tallest dude, Goliath, send the Israelites' tallest dude, Saul, to fight them. Like that was the whole reason even he was picked as king. But however, Saul is so fearful and didn't 
want to face the giant, this massive problem, this massive opposition. So Saul says this. He says, whoever kills this giant, I will give them riches. I will give my daughter's hand in marriage to them. And your family, guys, you won't have to pay taxes. So he tries, Saul tries to deal with this problem, this massive nine foot problem with what he could do and what he had, uh, what he had to give money, to give riches, uh, relationships, to give his daughter's hand in marriage, his position as king to say, hey, you don't have to pay taxes, just deal with this giant. He tried, instead of fighting Saul resorts to other means to try and solve this nine foot, nine inch problem that comes out every morning and shouts, who will come to challenge me? He resorts to what he can do. Those are his first resorts. Now, David, a shepherd boy is coming uh, back from feeding his father's sheep and to bring food to his brothers uh, before skip the dishes. David was doing it. And he was, he was going to the front lines to, to bring his brothers food. And he hears again this morning, this giant shouting up, shouting out, who would challenge me? Uh, and this massive, he sees this, uh, this giant and he's mocking Israel. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What is he doing? In other words, he's making reference, who is this dude who does not have a covenant or relationship with God? Because Israel did. Who is this guy who's saying this? Who is this guy who's challenging the armies of the living God? What is he doing? And David also then hears that the king has resorted to, to have, giving a reward to who, who will kill the giant. And David's, are you sure about that? And he, so he's asking a few people, check around, like, okay, it is indeed. And the king hears that someone's asking about this reward. And so he thinks, okay, there's someone who will take this and who will fight this giant. So David gets called before the king, this shepherd boy is getting called before the king. We see this in 1 Samuel 17. In verse 32, here, here it goes. As David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go fight with this Philistine. And Saul, and David, uh, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine uh, to fight with him. You are a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took uh, a lamb out of the flock, I would go after him and strike it and deliver the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has both killed or has killed both lion, bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Paul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Go and okay, just go and the Lord be with you. Now, David's first response to this giant, the opposition, his first resort 
was faith in God. I can take this. I've been doing life before and, and doing it by faith and come against things and God has protected me. And this giant, he's going down. David's first resort, his first resort when he saw this opposition was faith. Where he said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he's going to deliver me from this Philistine as well. He going down. Faith, on the other hand, was Saul's last resort. After trying to, to deal with it, with what he had, his, the money, the wealth he had, trying to deal with relationships that he had, and then his position, his title of, okay, I'm, I'm what I have. Saul's last resort was faith when he said, okay, go and the Lord be with you. After he tried, um, okay, offering money, offering his daughter's hand in marriage, offering, hey, free tax, no taxes. We see a contrast between these two men. And really, at the time, it was between a king and a shepherd boy. We see a contrast. Saul Faith was his last resort. David, faith was his first and only resort. Faith, first resort or last resort? Have you ever been in King Saul's position before? Trying to live and uh, live life and solve issues and problems by what we can do? by what we have, what we bring to the table. And faith is like the last resort, you know, trying to deal with that issue or problem as Saul did by in our own ability or um, what we bring to the table or maybe our position, or maybe it's not an issue at all. It's just trying to do life on our own. The first resort is we do, we do what we do through what we can have, what we offer. You know, in, our, in marriage, in, in our work or our business, with provision, finances, with our kids, just life. And then if, if what we bring to the table fails, when all else fails, we, have, we then say, okay, faith. We have like the come to Jesus moment where it's like, okay, this didn't work. This didn't work. Jesus, right? And you have that come to Jesus moment. Faith when all else fails. God, I need you now. I've tried everything with, with my work. Or God, I've tried everything with, with, my, with my spouse. God, I've tried everything for peace. And okay, now I'm going to. I think if we're honest, at one time in life or another, you and I have pulled a Saul. Where we've tried everything and then all right, I got to faith it now. God, I need you. And however, faith is not meant for only when we are at rock bottom. Faith in God is not meant as a last resort or when everything is desolate around us and we're like, there is no way. But rather, we are designed and meant as faith to be our first and our only resort to live life and to face challenges as faith in God, believing and trusting in God as our first resort. But can I just say this too? If you're in the position today where you're like 
at rock bottom where it's like there is no other options. Please don't hear that I'm saying like boo bad and I'm condemning. Not at all. Can I just say if you're in that position right now that God, he loves you. He's got you. If God is for you, who can be against you? It is not too late. It is never too late or never too far. God has got you. He's got you. So please don't hear that I'm saying, oh, bad, bad. No, no, not at all. He's got you. You're in the right place to be turning to him right in this moment. But what I am saying is that it is not God's best to wait until we are at that place of that we've exhausted every other option. And now we're going to try faith. Now we're going to try Jesus. But instead, God's best for us is to do life, to live life, faith and trust in God. For faith to be our first resort and our only resort. Whether you're just living life or facing challenges and great opposition like David, that faith in God can be our first resort. The first place we go. You know, David... That shepherd boy, he'd been living by faith and trusting in God before he saw that giant, before he saw that problem. He was just doing his like normal occupation of like a shepherd. All right, don't run away, sheep. Come back here, sheep. Okay, and he was just doing life, trusting in faith with God. And then there were opposition that came in just him doing life, in just him working his like job of, okay, there was a bear. Boom, God was there with him. There was a lion. Boom, God was with him and protected him. So then when he saw the giant, it wasn't something that he suddenly had to uh, put on faith. It was something that he'd already been living. It was already his first resort. He already knew that this, I, I, I trust God. I know God. God is with me. And because of his faith, he actually speaks. Because faith itself speaks. Faith speaks. But David, he said this. In verse seven, uh, chapter 17, verse 36, he says this. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David, he spoke because he was living a life of faith. So then when he saw this problem, faith came out of him. He arose and declared what was going to happen. David's first resort was faith when he saw that giant because he had been living a lifestyle of faith, of just taking steps of faith before he came to the biggest problem he had ever come to in his life. And he didn't hesitate because the opposition was taller, had nicer armor on, because the giant shouted and made this loud sound. He kept living by faith and responded in declaring what God had done and what God was going to do. It's not something David put on, but it was something that he was living as a shepherd boy. Just as David's first resort was faith, I believe you and I have an opportunity to make faith, living by faith, and taking steps of faith our first resort when it comes to life and when it comes to the challenges in life. 
Not just when, when things are bad or when all else fails, but instead living a lifestyle and walking and living by faith. That's what God has for us. That's what God has for us. For faith, walking and living by faith to be our first resort. In Romans 1, 16, it says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jews first and also to the Greeks. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Righteousness means that you are made right with God. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God, that we might become righteous in Jesus. So Jesus made, made us righteous. So now you're righteous, and now the righteous man, the righteous woman, what are we to do? We are to live by faith. Living by faith, trust in God, steps of faith. This is how God has purposed and designed us to live our life. That we, the same way we receive salvation by faith is the same way that we now go from faith to faith of just living by faith. Faith and trust in God being our first resort. You know, in that scripture, it doesn't say the righteous man shall have faith as a backup plan. The righteous man shall uh, pull out faith and call a friend when he really needs it. No, it's a continual living. The righteous man shall live by faith. Just as you're breathing today and you're, you need air to breathe, you and I, we need to live by faith, trust in God daily, just as, the same, as, as moment by moment you breathe air, moment by moment we are to live by faith. It's not our last resort, but our first resort. Now, if you look at the scripture, if you go to Romans 1 and you look at it, you'll notice that it, it has little quotations around the righteous man uh, live by faith. And in Galatians, or in Galatians and Hebrews, it also has that, that part, portion where uh, the righteous man live by faith and has the quotation. And why is that? It's because they're actually quoting a prophet who lived 600 years before those books of the Bible were written. They're quoting Habakkuk uh, and, uh, and Habakkuk, what a name, Right? Like, hey, if you got that name, direct message me like, hey, I got that name. I'll give you a high five and maybe a sorry. But, um, you know, uh, Habakkuk uh, is, a, is a prophet. It was written by the prophet and he's in the time of Babylon. And, and Babylon is rising as a, as a superpower and they're taking over nations. And there's a very real threat uh, that, that they're going to take over uh, Israel. They're going to take over the nation. And there's actually as well, there's corruption within the leadership of Israel at that time. They do not have a good king. And so the prophet is actually complaining about the state of Babylon rising. 
uh, and the qualities of Babylon, that they're trusting in their own efforts, that they're, they're building for themselves, they're worshiping their own works, they're trusting in their own might, they're overindulgent, they desire more, they're going to take more, and their empire is all about what they're doing, and they're actually making idols to worship how great they are. And this is what God's response is to the prophet. In uh, Habakkuk 2 verse 4, uh, it says this, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right with him. And this is what, what uh, Romans, Hebrews, Galatians all quote, But the righteous will live by his faith. Another translation puts it this way. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faith in God. In that scripture, we see God contrasting how the righteous are to live by faith in contrast to how the rest are living, trusting in their own works, building their own empire, fulfilling their own desires that will not be quenched. And even later on in God's response to the prophet, in verse 18, it says this, What prophet is the idol when the maker has carved it? Or an image, a teacher of falsehood? For it its maker trusts in his own handiwork. When he fashions speechless idols, woe to him who says to a piece of wood, awake, to a mute stone arise, and that is your teacher. Behold, it is uh, overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all inside of it. So Babylon at the time had built idols of their own work and that they've trusted in them like, okay, these are our gods. So they carve them, they build them and they're like, look how great we are. They put the gold of their own work over top of it. And this isn't just a historical fact or commentary on what they did, but I think it's actually a picture of what can happen. And we see a contrast in there as well between faith being the first or last resort. Between faith being the first or last resort. That when faith in God, when faith is in God, when faith in God is our last resort, when all else fails, this happens. What happens is we build our own idols of our own work what, and we put our trust in them. What we can do, what we, what we can actually make happen, what we can bring to the table. And we put our trust in our own handiwork, just like that scripture says. And, and in a way, actually create an idol of where we put our trust is in our own work. And in life, we, we say, okay, I can do this on my own. Or, okay, I'll bring this to solve this problem. Or I'll bring this towards it. Isn't that sort of what Saul did? when he came against the giant in the field. He had faith in money because he, he, he said, okay, I'm going to make someone rich who deals with this problem. I'll, I'll give money that I, that I have, I, that I earned. I'm going to, I'm putting faith in a relationship to solve it. My relationship, and I'm going to give my daughter's hand in marriage. His position and importance to solve it. I'm not, I'm not going to make anybody pay taxes. And in a way, 
Saul made those things as idols and he put trust in those things that he, he said. He put his trust in the reward that he was offering of money, of the relationships that he was going to do, his connections and what he could do. So now he made what he created, he put his trust and his faith in that for to solve the problem. But again, in uh, Habakkuk 2.4, it says, but the righteous will live by faith. By live by faith in God. Not in your own handiwork. Not in, in what we can do or trust in what we can do. But in God. And through him, that's when he empowers us to do things. You know, there's another way of living and that is what we're called to live, to live by faith, to take steps of faith, to make faith in God our first and our only resort. What would happen if daily we lived and walked by faith? What would happen if we made faith not our last resort, but our first resort in every area of our life. When we make faith in God, our first resort, just as David did, I believe this is what will happen. We see what will happen when we make faith our first resort. We're going to pick up where we left off. So David, he's just with Saul. And in 1 Samuel 17, 46, the day, uh, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. So this is David speaking. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He's speaking to the giant. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give uh, the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Man, he's smack talking right there. Faith speaks. Then all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear things that we can make, but the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and check this out and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. He ran towards the opposition. He ran forward. He didn't stay stagnant like Saul did, where he stayed stagnant. He even backed up. David, by faith, moved forward and took steps of faith and ran forward into what? Into the opposition. Ran forward to take ground. And now we know, many of us know the story that David, he took a rock that he picked by a spring. He went and he flung it. It hit the, the giant in the forehead. The giant fell. David, then it says, he didn't just walk over or saunter over. He ran further. He picked up the giant's own sword, which was a big sword. And then boom, cut the giant's head off. Uh, but he ran. Can I say, when you live by faith, you will run at the giants, the obstacles um, that, that are against you, confident in who God is. You will run not only just into ops, against obstacles, against opposition by the power of God, you will run into all that God has for you, the plans, the purposes he has for you. When you live as faith as your first resort, you will be able to run into the wide open, spacious life that God has for you. 
You'll be able to know that obstacle will be too big because you'll say, no, I got faith in God. My first resort is God. And if God is for me, who can be against me? When faith is your first resort, you can take confident, bold steps towards into what God has for you and against those obstacles and challenges. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? What would life look like if we made faith our first resort? What would your relationships look like? What would your future hopes and aspirations look like? Being a parent, being a spouse, how would your job or your business look different if you made faith your first resort? How would peace look if you made faith your first resort? for joy, for, for provision. What would it look like if you made faith? You're not your last, but your first resort. I believe we see in Ephesians 3, what happens when you make faith your first resort. In Ephesians 3, 7, it says this, then by constantly using your faith, you could also say by faith being your first resort, continually living by faith, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of, his, of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply and intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement and uh, transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into, your, uh, into you until you are filled to overflow with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your gr uh, greatest request, your most unbelievable dreams, and exceed your wildest imaginations. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Today, I want to encourage you I want to encourage you to make faith, faith in God, your first resort, not your last resort. The first resort as you live life and as those problems, those challenges, those issues of life, make God your first resort as David did. Have a lifestyle of faith. Have a lifestyle of faith in God. And as you continually use your faith, as you walk, you will walk in God's love, his peace, and the plans he has for you. Like it says, for it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. Come on church, let's live by faith. And so we can step into all that God has for us and face the opposition, any opposition that comes our way as David did. If God is for me, 
who can be against me. Can I pray for you? Father, I just thank you for every single person watching and a part of Thrive. Father, I thank you for courage to arise. That God, you've made, a, that Jesus has made us righteous and that the righteous are as bold as lions. So I thank you for courage. Courage to trust in you and not to try everything on our own. And then when all else fails, try faith. But instead, have faith as our first resort when problems come, but not just when problems come, but just in daily life so that we can see your plans, your purposes in our marriage, in our relationships, at our jobs and companies, that we can walk in what you have for us in every area of our life. So Father, I thank you for, for boldness, to not trust in, in our works or what we can bring, but instead walk in faith with you and allow you to empower us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church podcast. We hope this message inspired you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We'd love to see you at a Sunday soon in person or online. You can get all the information on our website, thrivecalgary.ca. If you'd like to become a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can also do that by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. Know God is for you. We love you. Have a great week.